everyone. Welcome to this edition of the Modern Times Podcast. John Guzon here with Karen Weil. Hi, Karen. Good afternoon. How are you, John? I'm terrific. And you? I'm doing okay. Thank yeah. you. It was a rough weekend for our country, but... Uh, Definitely a rough weekend. Um, I, you know, in there as best we all can. Um, today we're going to have a political profundity podcast, and we're going to be talking about five things, but this is not five points for any of you regular listeners. Charlottesville, the fallout afterwards, the North Korea situation calms down. Uh, we're going to kind of discuss whether Steve Bannon and some others there are, might be in peril. Um, we're going to talk the latest in the Russia Gate investigation, and we're going to talk about the potential pardon of Joe Arpaio. Um, very, you know, it's got some real importance to us here in Arizona. Um, Karen, you you, we kind of started talking about it um, off the top. Uh, Charlottesville this weekend um, kind of felt like, um, you know, kind of almost living almost with maybe what they lived through in the 60s uh, maybe we'll have a the end of that uh, ended up with uh, a president uh, resigning uh, before he got impeached um, maybe we're continuing down that same path but it did seem like some of those same you know horrific images that you saw coming out of the civil rights movement obviously different situations different things going on but um you know, very, uh, the showing that white pride, I guess, um, people kind of pushing back against that. And then, um, some people taking violence into their own hands. Um, how did you take what happened during the day? I saw particularly a video of some young black guy being beaten up in a parking garage with some, I don't know what, um, that, you know, that was the big takeaway I took besides, obviously, you know, when the death happened. But there was a lot of other small little skirmishes, some crazy stuff happening. What was your take? Well, okay, first of all, we know how this all unfolded. It started on Friday night with this uh, rally mm-hmm. by these the Citronella. white nationalists or supremacists or whatever these losers call themselves. <laughs> I don't know. I think they're scum. But... <laughs> At any rate, just seeing the pictures that night, I I just, in the back of my mind, I thought, this is not going to end well. Something is going to set someone off, and someone is going to get either seriously hurt or, God forbid, killed. And I wanted to be wrong about that. What was also interesting, though, too, you find out later, a lot of these guys who were part of this, they didn't even live there. Right. Which, again, I suppose, what what I find interesting about this, I'm going to try to make this short. Okay. White nationalism, one thing, still disgusting, but you're not from there. You're, you, you didn't have ancestors, and maybe some of them did, who fought in the Civil War. Why on earth is it so important to you to be going berserk over a removal of a statue, which wasn't even erected until of the 1950s? 20s, right. A good chunk of these right. were not. And that was done in immediate direct response to the Civil Rights Movement. Right. Um, or was even in the 1920s. So what are, what are, you know, I'm thinking, what are they doing there? Is it really that important? Um, yeah, I, you know. So I just, it was a feeling of unease from start, and obviously at the end we know with the death of Miss Hire to finish. Just a feeling that this is so wrong. This is so twisted. And it was only inevitable that you would have And I do not buy into this, oh, both sides were equally at fault. I think we know who was mostly at fault here. And it was not the counter-protesters. Now, there were a few who acted violently, and yeah, they should be held accountable. Absolutely. But uh, I think at the end, when it culminates with one of their followers of this movement getting in the car and running over innocent people, you know, the false equivalency is just utter horse crap in this case. Oh, yeah. You know, and and there's and there's the uh, the debate over you know, like you had mentioned, many sides um, that many sides comment from President Trump, um, mm-hmm. and but on top of it, we you've been to you know many protests. We've covered them both. I mean, I've covered maybe a hundred or more. Um, sure. And I'm sure you're you know you know either attendee or covering them we've 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 been there and seen it and you know that there are always potentially violent situations every single one of them has that feeling but i've never seen one go get out of hand and you know and there was there was you know you know people talking about what the police did or didn't do but it's when you have civil discourse and 
as we all always know, you can't blame the police because the people always outnumber the police. And especially when yeah. you have when you go to massive public demonstrations, you know, the police are there and they can sort of do certain things. But if if all those people decided to 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 to, to get, get violent, there is no way the police is stopping it or stopping it unless they try to, you know, bring in the National Guard and do some other things and use some other tactics, use, uh, you know, uh, tear gas and, um, uh, you know, sound uh, waves to get people out of there. But there's no way to stop it from starting. They can have a way to try to end it when it happens. But you could have people, you know, dead before before they can even start to move. And there's just no way to have enough of a police presence unless you just tell people they can't gather in large numbers. And it's just another one of our prices of of freedom, I think, is that sometimes is that, you know, when you have crazy people that are out there willing to do these sorts of things for reasons that they shouldn't be doing them, um, and you're not supporting freedom and equality and your people who are talking about, like you said, hey, you shouldn't take down a statue of Robert E. Lee. Um, it's a, you know, it's a little, it's a little, it's a, it's a situation rife for, for, for injury and damage. Um, and just a, a sad situation all around, I think. And, you know, I mean, to try to analyze it, I think, you know, I think we've both, both you know, seen for sure Fight Club, and, and I know I've read parts of it. I just never <laughs> m- made it its way all the way through it. But, you know, when I see these pictures of these alt-writers, it's like the same people that could have been sucked in um, to that sort of thing. It seems like, you know, the people that are willing to actually go out and do things seem to be that young white class that has nothing to do anymore. It's like, you know, that same, you know, and I don't want to put... Um, you know, try to really quote from 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 Fight Club, but it seems like it's those sorts of people, um, and and it's like tapped into that kind of disenfranchised kind of thing. And um, you know, you can justify anything. I mean, look at that 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 poor guy that got you know that ran into that lady. I mean, I feel bad for him because he is so he was so uh, you know just just led down the wrong path. I mean, of course, I feel for the girl. And everyone else who was there and had to deal with that sort of thing. And we've been in these situations before, like we said. But, you know, it's like he's a victim, too, by people who exploited him to 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 lead himself to violence. Well, I you know, he may be a victim. And obviously, it sounds like just from what I've read about uh, Fields, clearly a dysfunctional household, although he had a history already from a young age of domestic violence against his mother. So exactly. this was somebody who was, was frankly going down the wrong path exactly. some years ago. Exactly. And somewhere down the line, he snapped and decided this virulent, disgusting movement was what he needed. Uh, I do not, however, buy into any argument. I know you're not making this. That he was scared <laughs> and fearing for his life when oh, he decided no. to crash, you know, run a car into a crowd of people. No. That was done deliberately. It was done with the intent of harming others. If he were afraid of the situation, then he should have just gotten his car, went the other way, and gotten the hell out of there. Okay, fair enough. I can understand that. But um, uh, yeah, it's just a shame. Again, he decided to go down a path that uh, is not a good one, and now he's going to pay a terrible price for that, and understandably so, perhaps with his life. I, I just, uh, again, at the end of the day, there was one group that decided to hold this event that was the white supremacist surely they should have known counter protesters would show up uh they were many of them were armed to the teeth and uh they were not clearly not doing this in any kind of peaceful manner and uh, when you when you i'm going to go into another subject real quick here you have sure. republican-led states that pass, are wanting to pass bills giving people permission basically to run over protesters yeah and you know I, I we've had the same not, sort of it's that's not a I'm sorry. Go no, ahead. no, 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 no. Um, I, 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 w- I was agreeing with you on, you know, that's happened here in Arizona, too, after what happened when they blocked the street yes, when Trump right. was here. And, you know, it is it, it, it sort of brings it up. And I just want to clarify one thing about what I was saying about Fields. Is this a 20 year old young man? And, you yes. know, I mean, the people who put it together, um, the people who he was listening to, to to think that that was the right thing to do, you know, and. 
you know, that's the hard part to me. I mean, and I say the same thing to people when they talk about, you know, college athletes who make mistakes. And I go, hey, 18, 19-year-old kid, you know, I mean, this guy, you know, he was, you know, and, and, that's, and that's really where I'm going with it, is that, you know, spoon-fed, um, you know, violence and, 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 and probably racism um, for wherever he was. And that's, you know, when we look down the road, that's how the next generation gets that same feeling. That's how we've had ideas that have carried over for over 100 years now that, that we wonder why it doesn't go away because there's, there's sections of, of the populace. And I hate to, you know, bring up Hillary Clinton's deplorables, but there's, there's a group out there that, that, that will keep pumping out people that do this. And that's and, right. and that's, and and that's know, really I, my point. Clinton was right. I'm, go ahead. No, no, no I, I was done. But that's but that was my point in saying I feel sorry well, for him. You know. Well, uh, you know, perhaps uh, I, I don't. We don't know what's going to happen. But he's in a lot of trouble. Oh Obviously, yeah. He killed someone. So, he's going to jail, and, and I wouldn't want to be him in prison. Right. But uh, again, this this was. The, the primary group to blame here are the are the white supremacists who started this. Uh, the gentleman, I believe his last name was Kessler, who ran away. Right, you know, right. Trying to make a, a, some type of speech, and obviously the audience was not having it. And <laughs> Sorry, I just thought but... it was kind of funny. Here's a guy who's supposed to be such a badass, but he sure didn't look like it when he was there. He was falling all over the flowers. Um, and he was he, falling. He was. I, I have no sympathy for him either. These guys instigated this. Yeah, I blame him uh, more than, I, you know, him and, and Spencer. Reap, yeah. You reap what you sow. So this is what they wanted. Now they're getting it. And uh, not going to end well for them. Okay. Real either. quick, real quick before we go on to our next topic. How about the president's response? Well, what can be said? It was, it was, he tried on Saturday to claim that I, there were all sides here to blame. Obviously that backfired uh, bigly, as he'd say. <laughs> And then on Monday, we all saw this. It looked like he was in a hostage situation, <laughs> reading how he's... And, and I suppose... You he can, was. It, you have a, a small piece of credit to him for even saying, yes, white uh, racism is bad. Well, any kind of, okay, racism, right? But, but what it says to me, it communicates to me is, is, again, this is a good chunk of his voting base. And he knows it. And without them... If he even makes it to 2020, which I, I'd say the odds right now are not good. Uh, but, you know, he's going to need them to get reelected. So he cannot, he can't alienate them too much. Right. And yeah, it was well, pretty well, obvious he, what he was trying to do and because he's so inept and, and so toned out. He just, he just had has no understanding. Yeah, well, what he did say, of, though, kind of goes down against them. And I know that Spencer even was coming out saying, oh, you don't really believe that, do you? Um, I saw you know right. comments from him after Trump's Monday statements. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know right. whether they're already trying to plant the disinformation like he just did that to you know get the people off his back. But what I thought was uniquely interesting was what happened afterwards, where then when people didn't buy it, he he just ripped on everybody and said, "Oh, you don't even believe," you know, <laughs> he ripped on CNN. Well, and, yeah, and then the fellow who left his his business council, the uh, chairman uh-huh. of Merck. Right. Mr. Frazier, uh, for reasons that were understandable, and I believe there have been two more who have said, okay, I'm out of here. I just, I can't deal with this anymore. Um, Look, Donald Trump is not mentally stable, and this is what he's going to continue to do as long as he's in that office. When the things tighten around him, he's going to lash out at whoever is convenient, because that's the kind of coward he is. Okay. We uh, don't have an adult as president. That's that. Can we move on as a country is this the beginning of 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 more strife because of it i mean it doesn't seem to have been calmed down it seems like there's still there was a lot of people that can't try to bring us together but it seems like because of the actions of what happened on saturday to monday um with the president um and some and a few others that it's still as much alive with people and that there's plenty of folks out there that are still blaming Antifa or whoever else is out there, that there's not, there hasn't been any kind of reconciliation. seems like this has just continued to spark more. Do you agree? Do you see that this just is going to get worse for a while? Well, I I think for now you're going to see the Richard Spencers of the world in hiding. 
Uh, as we know, he did, he gave a press conference from some undisclosed location because obviously he didn't want to go to a, some public venue. They're going to lay low for a while, and uh, I, I think as time goes on, they'll reappear. I guess the rally in Dallas was canceled. There was one in Boston. I'm not sure that's going to go forward. The mayor of Boston made it clear we don't want you here. Um, but I, 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 I don't... I, I'd like to think that this was the tipping point and it's over, and I hope that turns out to be the case. Um, Me too. Me too. But I, and I don't think I'm alone, though, by the, with having the feeling that it's not. So, um, you know, really, uh, one of the darkest days, I, I would think that looking back on 2017... Um, it's going to have to be thought of as, as one of the darkest days, uh, at least of the year, maybe even so far of the millennium. I mean, there's been a lot of things going on, but what it's said about race relations in the United States, there's been more deaths. There's a lot of been other things that have gone on. But as far as race relations go, it has to be one of the, um, the worst days that we've had in a long time. Yeah, I, I can't disagree with you on that. Um, a, little of, a little bit of good day. news, maybe, um, was that North Korea seemed to maybe be, you know, that, that whole situation looks like maybe we're not going to go to war this week. Right. Um, I Look, I, we know North Korea has made all kinds of these ridiculous threats in the past. But, of course, you have to take them seriously because North Korea is a burgeoning nuclear power. Uh, although I, I have the feeling it's a lot more bark than bite, but nevertheless, sure. you, you have somebody at the helm who's this, we're not so sure how mentally stable King Jong-un is. Yeah, I mean, he's friends uh, with Dennis probably, Rodman for, for crime and his sake. <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's, you know, trying to hold on to power. You hear often that, frankly, his government is not all that thrilled with them. That's the military, of course. Uh, I suppose if they wanted to, they could get rid of him. But last week was was unnerving. Uh, you know, North Korea is making these these threats again, threatening to launch missiles towards Guam. And of course, Donald Trump responds in the usual bombastic manner instead of a way that might be more diplomatic, while making clear to North Korea there's going to be there will be consequences for attempting any such thing. Um, but the fire and fury comment it just didn't help matters at all. I think what it does is it even goes Kim Jong-un further. Uh, and I obviously, I felt when I heard about plans to attack Guam, I thought they're probably bluffing and it's looking more and more like they were, which makes everybody breathe a sigh of relief. Uh, you know, people who act casual about any kind of military action against North Korea I think they're forgetting the neighbor on its other border, and that's China. Um, you and I were talking earlier. We remember from, well, we weren't there, but during the Korean War, China wasn't too thrilled with our going into Korea then and responded with thousands of soldiers at one point during the war, which conflicted a lot of damage on our troops. And uh, I think if anybody expects China's going to stand there while we, God forbid, nuke the country or use conventional warfare they're they're crazy right I, I don't know if china would respond militarily from things i have read and, and experts with whom i've spoke uh with whom i've spoken but china could find other ways to punish us including and and i i get this is far-fetched in some respects but it's not impossible they could call in all our debt if it really wanted to do damage so this is just not it's just not a situation that has any good ending here or options. Yeah, and, I mean, you and, know, and granted, you know, China is responsible for North Korea's existence, frankly, at this point, and the country, you know, China has failed miserably in doing much to rein in, uh, you know, this country's ridiculous leadership. So there's blame to be shared here with China as well. But it, again, it, because you don't, and, and another thing too, I, I believe we haven't even appointed, or the Trump administration doesn't have a representative to South Korea right now. Right. So this is all being put on Rex Tillerson, who we, uh, you know, I think is pretty overstretched as it is, and really out of his depth on a lot of this. Sure. Um, so there's no, there's no sort of diplomatic channel here to really have China and North Korea talk to one another, which, you know, that that's still a fingers crossing thing. But certainly because there's no, how shall I say this, sincere actor at this point in our government, not in the White House, 
and certainly there are none in the North Korea side to even be able to have some kind of discussion. Say, let's cool things down. We don't like each other. That's pretty apparent. But we both know this won't end well if it, if it does become mili- mil- militarized. So yeah, that, that's I mean, where we you know, are. I just, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a time just to relax a little bit. But there's no question North Korea is going to become or going to remain a thorn in this country's side, just as it has been for many decades. Yeah, and you know, uh, I mean, I do it's, think the, yeah, you know, it's 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 funny. I think sometimes, or you know, ironic. Um, I guess instead of funny is probably a better word, but it's ironic. I think sometimes how we see, um, you know, South Korea getting a nuclear weapon as being, you know, horribly worse, and then you know, sometimes some people might need to think, well, you know, Pakistan's got this got nukes too. Um, you know, mm-hmm. it happens, um, and what we always have to remember when these things go on is that it is mutual destruction for anybody who uses them. And it has to be that way. I mean, even North Korea, they have more than a million active military members. Even if you want to go in there and do it, um, you know, conventionally or try to do so, um, you know, I mean, that's a slog that you can never even dream about. Um, South Korea has got 630,000 active military uh, you know, people, um, and and the two largest armies in the world, uh, when you combine their active reserve and paramilitary, are South Korea and North Korea, um, and you know, I, I I just, you know, it it seems funny that we would have to take it so seriously when we know how we outrank everybody in the amount of nuclear weapons, and if anybody wants to try to launch an attack. You can't launch a, 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 an ICBM attack from North Korea, us not know that it's coming. We do have a defense system that, you know, will likely stop it. If it didn't, um, I wouldn't want to be North Korea. You know, I mean, it's like, you know, it's like uh, Kim Jong-un saying he's going to commit suicide um, because that's what he's done for him and, and millions and millions of people. Um, you know, yes. and and, you know, for anybody to even take the bait, I guess, you know, and that's that's my issue sometimes with the way um, the Trump administration would take it, um, you know, and and you have to worry. Um, you, you don't have to tell them, I don't think, um, that you have fire and fury. I think they understand that. Um, and, and so they're not going to ever think that they could just get away with launching a nuclear weapon on L.A. or Chicago or Seattle or wherever. And 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 it not just mean the destruction of that nation. Um, it's, it, you know, they, 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 they get that they're playing the same game they've always played. And part of it is for internal stability. Um, you know, they've always used the West and other groups as the reason for them to have iron fisted power. And, you know, I mean, I mean, if, if, if that's part of the idea that, that you're, you're then going to take away that, that idea, it's not going to work because then they're going to escalate it. And like we talked about, that's where it becomes dangerous is when they need to continue to escalate in order to main t- to prove to their people why they're, they need to, to stay where they are and why they need to believe in the country so much. Um, and because my last little bit that I want to make is that North Korea is really the last of the Cold War powers to maintain that kind of idea. You know, we know that China changed in the 90s, right? They, they, they evolved. Um, they allowed people to do things and make money and have an economic system that wasn't only controlled by the state. North Korea is the only, you know, significant country that's kept that together. Hell, they still basically have a monarchy, whether they want to call it anything else. It really is a monarchy. I mean, it's the only way that you pass. I mean, even even the Soviets didn't do such things. Um, they would pass it down to other people that would be, you know, like-minded communists. But it, what did it didn't go to, from father to son like it does in North Korea. Um, and, and, and you would seem, you know, it would seem at some point that that would be rife for exploitation. You know, it's, it's, it's avoided it, but as you had mentioned, and it, and that is the bit that scares me is, you know, what you have to do, um, if you're North Korea, you're going to keep ratcheting it up. Um, and then you might make then regional wars, then they don't maybe just use the West as a boogeyman. Then they have to actually go after South Korea again or do something else silly like that or you know uh, you know who who, who they're going to find um to, to to create issues with and it's always going to be there but to me it's always the best idea is just to t- to say to a bully on the playground yeah right you know you're not going to do anything to me 
Um, but it is a scary situation. No, totally agree. I, I unfortunately, again, North Korea has been a problem for 60 years now. Yeah. Um, and because we do not have competent leadership right now to deal with it, I, I just unfortunately, I think there may be other dust ups in the future. And again, I sure hope I'm wrong. Okay, um, let's let's move on to another war that is already going on, cold or heated, we're not really sure, and that's the war inside the White House. Um, huh. I guess um, in 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 one of I, mean, I don't know Battle Ten, uh, Scaramucci defeated previous, or uh, he's gone. Uh, then a Battle Eleven, Kelly joins, um, and these numbers are all. Um, hypothetical because we don't really know how many battles they've had in the war for the White House. Um, now, um, supposedly, there's talk that Bannon's in pe- in peril. Um, the, some people, uh, Scaramucci, won, uh, saying that Bannon's a leaker and they've got proof, um, which I don't I don't necessarily believe. I think ba- uh, Bannon would be gone by now if that was the case, or if he wasn't leaking what Trump wanted him to leak. Um, I see Bannon sticking around um, for at least a little while longer. Um, what do you see? Again, because Trump is not is never going to evolve. He's never going to change, which is why when this talk about Kelly coming in and, oh, he'd be the one to rein him in, which we heard that before. Ivanka would be the one to rein him in. When Mrs. Trump moved into the White House, she'd be the one to rein him in. Again, no one is able to do that because Donald Trump is not does not have the basic wisdom or decency to understand how much he's damaging any chance he ever had of being taken seriously by a majority of this country or being accepted or supported. Now, Trump voters, most of whom will stay with him until the bitter end, that's their decision. But the good majority of this country doesn't like this guy, doesn't want him in office, and but I think a lot of people are just waiting for the other shoe to drop mm-hmm. in that respect. Um, and and yeah, Bannon's Kelly, one of those I'm people. I'm sure John Kelly, I'm sorry, go ahead. I said, is, and Steve Bannon's one of those people. Well, right. And Steve Bannon, who, of course, is one of the main reasons Donald Trump is even in office, Mm -hmm. uh, who has his own toxic background, has really done nothing to help Trump expand past this 35 percent who will stay with him forever and just has an extraordinarily, I think, twisted worldview. Uh, And there's no question he has been involved indirectly with or condoning white separatist groups. You know, there may actually be somebody tells Trump, you've got to fire this guy if you want to make it to 2020. I suppose perhaps, but Trump is known, the other thing, he's just, he's known for taking the advice of whoever he talks to five minutes ago. So again, this is all part of this instability and uh, disconnection from reality. That's a problem with him. Uh, It may be that John Kelly wants Bannon out. He could perhaps make that happen but I get the feeling it's a lot like Jeff Sessions I frankly think what Steve Bannon knows would end Trump's presidency immediately so I Trump is probably going to resist getting rid of him he may limit his role even more but he doesn't dare Isaac who is master dispose of him now we that's, mentioned that's earlier right. and that's extraordinarily Machiavellian but that again that's the kind of people we're dealing with here so we, you know, we talked a little bit about, you know, maybe, you know, and there's been talk about the potential, you know, civil war, uh, and now we're talking about Bannon. Mm-hmm. Now it 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 raves to, um, what's there was a story in uh, February um, that um, I saw on um, Huffington Post, um, the, and 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 Steve Bannon supposedly believes that the great fourth turning in American history is here. And he's on the cusp of it. And one of the things that they were talking about, um, it was um, generational theorists William Strauss and Neil Howe. Um, and he um, uh, he was doing... Um, Bannon wanted to interview Kaiser, um, um, David Kaiser, then a professor at the Naval War College, because he was... Bannon was working on a documentary on Strauss and Howe. And Bannon supposedly right. thinks that the fourth turning was entered into one on September 18th, 
um, when when Paulson and Bernanke went to Capitol Hill to ask for the bailout of the international banking system. Um, and 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 so, you know, it is. It's it's scary to think about. So we're we're talking about whether Bannon's going to survive. So you have a guy who's in the White House, who thinks that we're at this big generational turn, um, and and he's he's one that's that's right in the middle of it. He's he's as we know he has the president's ear on on a lot of different sides. You can sort of get the idea that. That Trump's idea of America and the way that they kind of maybe tilt towards, um, you know, make America great again, a.k.a. make America white again, um, you know, that kind of feeling. Um, and you see that that, that that maybe is their synergy. It doesn't seem like they have much synergy other than that. Um, so, it, you know, it, 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 it's, it's a little troubling. And so that's why the long, long story short is I don't think Bannon's going anywhere. You know, I I don't I think as long as Trump's there, either. Bannon's I, there. I really don't. I don't either. Again, because not only because Trump desperately needs him, but because uh, you know he ha- probably knows information that really would end his presidency. So there's it's it, it's just he's not gonna he's not gonna get rid of him. Um, but again, try, here's, conversely, he continues to damage Trump, but Trump obviously doesn't care. You know, you know, this this is this is a, a bit from the from from the Huffington Post story. The headline: is, Steve Bannon believes the apocalypse is coming and war is inevitable. It's in February, two thousand seventeen. If you want to read it, but this one paragraph talking about Strauss and Howe and in their book, the Fourth Turning. So it says Strauss and Howe postulate that during this fourth turning crisis, an unexpected leader will emerge from an older generation to lead the nation. And when what they call the, quote, hero generation, in this case, millennials, to a new order. This person is known as the gray champion. An election or another event, perhaps a war, will bring this person to power and their regime will rule throughout the crisis. Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, it scares me to think that the gray champion um, is really the orange champion. Um, but, uh, he's not the great champion of anything, but okay. I understand your point. Um, you know, um, so that's why I think, you know, that also anything, if, if, if Steve Bannon is pumping that up, Donald Trump's, you know what, um, he's going to eat that up. He's destined to be, um, the, you know, the leader and to take them, um, to the promised land or whatever. That's why I think he's going to stay. Yeah, I know. Um, let's let's I, I, let's move I, I on. I think you're right. I, I don't. I don't. You know. I agree with you on this. I do. You know. I mean, whether whether it, obviously he wouldn't be my choice. I probably wouldn't have him edit copy uh, for us. Um, <laughs> but uh, in another world, in other other circles, he becomes um, he runs Breitbart. So you know, whatever. Um, the latest in the let's go on to our next topic. The latest in Russia Gate. Um, two kind of weird things. Um, I think this week we talked about it earlier yesterday over the weekend. The thing with um, um, the guy with the Greek last name. It's, it's escaping me off the top of my head. I don't have the notes right in front of me. Um, Low level guy trying to set up organiz- you know meetings with Putin, while at the same time. Um, supposedly the emails say that Manafort was saying no, 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 uh, and he's the one who has all these connections. Um, to these people directly. If he wanted to, he probably could have picked up a phone and gotten Putin's secretary at any moment in time. Um, and and that's what else has come out. Um, how strong Manafort's connections were, not just to Ukraine, but to um, the hierarchy in Moscow and um, in, uh, you know, the former, uh, you know, KGB kind of operations of, you know, Vladimir Putin and his crew, FSB. Um so you have both of those things. They both don't seem like they're working together. They seem kind of against each other. But there's obviously movement, and it's on high level, low level. Um, anything here to you so far? Well, again, I, I've been saying this from day one. There's an awful lot of smoke. And Trump just continues to act like a man who has something to hide and is guilty. And this is just a question I ask for anyone to think about. Why on earth, during a Republican National Convention or any political convention, do you have the main people in your campaign 
meeting with a foreign adversary, what is the point of that? The goal, you would think, at a, you know, a convention is to get the candidate nominated and then begin a campaign in the United States. All of that just seems extraordinarily odd. And it, it, does. it doesn't, there, there was a reason why they were doing that. Now, it's up to everybody to, to make up their own minds on that. But it just again, the, the FBI raided Paul Manafort's home. It tells you that obviously he's not cooperating and that obviously they had reason to do so. Uh, given Manafort's background, which has been heavily involved, as you said already, with Russia and Ukraine, this, this just, it hardly seems like mere coincidence. Malcolm Nance, the noted uh, terrorism expert, who was, by the way, in the beginning, very much a skeptic on all of this, and is now saying things to the effect, it's pretty obvious the Trump campaign was working with Russia, exactly who and how much, we don't know. But this is a guy in the beginning who did not think that. But he also says, you know, in my line of work, and that also includes looking at espionage issues and, and other related, he said there are no coincidences. So, again, until Mueller comes out with the full report, which I, I and again, I could be wrong and I will admit if I am, but I can't see it exonerating Trump or his campaign. But nevertheless, until he comes out with the full report, we just don't know. But rest assured, just from a political angle, if this were happening in a Hillary Clinton administration, uh, well, again, I, I suspect the GOP would already be in start, would start impeachment proceedings for reasons that might be understandable. Right. So it, this is just clearly none of this makes Trump look good. His whole defense of it doesn't help him. Uh, in fact, you may, another thing to mention about this, on the 26th when this was happening, Trump, as we know, comes out with these tweets, which he didn't obviously talk to his generals about, regarding the transgender ban, and of course decided to rant and rave again about Hillary Clinton. He sure <laughs> seems obsessed with this woman. If I were Melania, I might wonder. Uh, yeah, she but, was, and, and I thought he liked Lynch, blondes. I think we all know... I'm sorry? I do, I, I do think he liked blondes before he married Melania, right? I mean, he was all... <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I don't even go there with that. But um, <laughs> you know, I think we all know why Trump was going crazy on Twitter. He obviously knew about this raid. And I think like most people, despite his utter lack of self-awareness or having much of any uh, conscious, uh, he knew this was bad. So he had to do something to divert and again, given how our mainstream media operates and how a lot of people operate, it worked. Although, as I said from day one to people who have been extraordinarily skeptical and even some who are Trump supporters, I said, this is not going away. You better just learn to deal with that. Yeah. You know, it, it, and again, it, it, if Trump, at any time, the other thing I want to say, I'm sorry, if Trump truly were innocent of this, then he should come out. He should have come out from day one with irrefutable proof of that. And he has not. So I think that tells us a lot. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I, I, I think that, you know, the idea that what's going to come out of this investigation, I mean, we understand that Congress would have to decide that they wanted to do something with what comes out. Um, right. And I don't think we're ever going to get a situation unless... Vladimir Putin just decides I don't want him here then and there was any kind of connection then they opened up any kind of connection to Trump but that's not going to go far here I, you know I don't I don't think um, um, Bob Mueller is going to come out and say we have irrefutable proof that Donald Trump ordered the hacking of the DNC um, you know really work together to kind of do things now obstruction of justice on Flynn, some of those things could be there. And then, you know, you wonder what kind of action Congress is going to take. But it seems like, you know, it just, it further proves how not ready or possible or 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 qualified Trump was to, one, run a national campaign because he didn't even know that he should have people that cared enough and shouldn't have his family running. And you, you need to have... 
you know, polished political people doing certain things instead of the way he was running it. Um, because you then create these issues that you have. Um, but, you know, in, in, in unless there's a change in Congress, I don't see it going anywhere. It just seems that they'll blame it on Manafort. They'll blame it on low-level people. And they're, they'll, they'll, they'll keep Trump to the Republicans' demise, I think, you know, because then they'll, they'll, they'll get swamped. You know, and that's when Mueller's going to come out with his recommendation. The Republicans aren't going to move at all until then. And then even, I don't, unless there is, like I said, actual proof that he did something personal, I don't think the Republicans are going to make any movements in Congress. And, and so then no, that, so that leaves, that leaves to be, what's going to yeah, happen in 2018. So it, uh, so it all depends oh. on when Mueller releases, I think. If he releases oh, before, before 2018 elections... And they don't do anything. I think they get swamped, and then and then something comes of it maybe after that. And if but if he if he holds on to it, it might give them the ability to just not even have anything to run on at that point. And and you know I mean besides his regular record, which they can which which they can fight. I think it gives them a real you know I mean Democrats must be just chafing at the bit for them for the Mueller report to come out next summer, early spring or late spring. Well, I, and your your points are all well taken, and, and I I don't uh, you know I don't disagree that that may happen, and I, I think frankly you are Trump will throw anybody under the bus he has to, including Paul Manafort, and maybe even his uh, his son named after him. But yeah. that said, you're seeing his approval rating take yet another dip. You're even starting to see it, believe it or not, soften within his base. Now, for example, when he gave that recent rally in Ohio. There were interviews with people who came to it, and they cheered him on, but they also said, you know, he's already given this speech a million times. I really want to hear what he's going to do now. I don't want to hear about Hillary Clinton anymore. I don't want to hear about him winning the Electoral College. I want to know what he's going to do to make my life better. Right. And you are starting to see, it's not much, but you're starting to see those polls soften. Mm -hmm. And I, I do think that if his approval rating really hits 25% in the next few months and it stays there, you're going to see a GOP that's going to become extraordinarily nervous. Yeah. And if it looks like they're going to lose Congress, and it, it, I mean, the chances of them losing the House are very strong right now. The Senate, I don't see it. I think something extraordinary or turnout's going to have to be 100 plus percent for that to occur. But they may be losing a few seats, including in your state, right. my home state. And don't laugh, but Ted Cruz is not all that popular in Texas. Sure. If the Democrats actually put up a solid enough candidate, there's a chance he could lose. I'm not saying much of one, but if there's a chance that I would not have believed a few years ago. Um, yeah. But again, if it looks like they're going to lose Congress, you may see the GOP take several steps to either rein in Trump to the point of where he really is neutered, and he'll just leave. Well, or let's go. They could, and, and I know it's far fetched. They could decide they're going to they're going to do the 25th Amendment. And they'll put in Mike Pence, and then they'll just pretend Trump never existed. And frankly, that'll work with their base anyway. Not all of them. Um, believe me, I know my share of Republicans who are appalled and disgusted beyond belief. Right. With both Donald Trump and this Congress coddling them. They're really, really pissed off. Now, so let's... I do not want to malign every Republican, because I know a lot of good and decent people in that party. Oh, sure. And they're just dismayed. Um, but... Again, I don't, you know, nobody thought it was possible this guy could quote-unquote win. So don't think it's impossible for one moment that the GOP won't turn on him if they have to save themselves. Yeah. I think we all know how politics works. Right. Now, and that's my take. Now, <laughs> now, you know, you would mention, too, um, you know, the possibilities here in Arizona. So let's just segue into our last topic, and, and, and we can wrap this podcast yeah. up. But um, Good deal. You think about, I think... Trump's ability to carry or Trump's ability to um, to change and influence the election here in Arizona. And I think, you know, what he had came, you know, come out and said that he was going to pardon Joe Arpaio. If that ends up happening, I think it seriously threatens a lot of, uh, you know, crossover. It further um, puts nails in the coffin of ever getting any sort of, you know, amount of the Hispanic vote in Arizona ever again, which is already slim and none. Um, it is now completely gone out the window. Um, and with a potentially John McCain seat being up, um, cause we'd never know what's going to happen between now. And, you know, I don't even know the details right now. I think, 
that yeah, if he would go, out, if, you know, I think so. if he goes in the next six months, that that would automatically happen in in uh, in 2018, where that seat would come up, although it shouldn't be up. Um, but if he leaves, I think then they have the election um, in in November, if if it happens within like in the next six months or something like that. Um, so yeah. you know, it, it even puts that at risk. Um, for for the GOP and especially not just in a regular situation with Trump, then you add something on top of it like pardoning Arpaio because even the Republican base here turned against him, and I don't think that that would play good in in some of those voters that are on the fence. Um, but to get yeah, to the I heart of to get to the heart of the matter, it has really gotten some people riled up here in Phoenix, um, and you know throughout the state, but but especially in Phoenix. Um, you know, they finally feel like, you know, our pile is going to be held to account. Um, and, you know, especially even there was a press conference this morning, um, a former county supervisor who was targeted by our pile's um, groups. It wasn't just illegal immigrants that he went after. He was going after sitting um, politicians, too, who didn't agree with him. So they, he would start up investigations on them, um, had them arrested, um, literally arrested other office holders who were elected by the people. Um, you know, try to get judges um, indicted. All that didn't work. Um, but, you know, it's, it's some of these other things that maybe, you know, Trump might talk about the work that he did with illegal immigration, but he's not also talking about the other things that he did to, to really abuse his power. Um, you know, how does that play, you know, outside of Phoenix? How is that playing in Southern California, say, where you are, or from your perspective as a former Nevadan? Well, I would just say, I mean, Joe Aparo is not a particularly likable figure. I think we know that, and it's why he, he lost in what was a banner year for the GOP. Uh, I think people just, frankly, in that state were sick to death of him. Um, you know, he's not, a, he's not a popular national figure, and I, I think we all know why Trump is making this noise about pardoning him, although, like, nearly everything he says, you know, you have to take it with a grain of salt until he actually does it. Right. Um, I, I suspect this was done as a part of a, a panic, uh, panicked response to the vitriol showed towards him for his, again, completely tone-deaf comments about the Charlottesville disaster, uh, because he's got to do something to keep that base happy. And our Arpaio is popular within that white supremacist base. Yep. So if, if he does this, I mean, he has the right. And, you know, our Pio, our Pio I'm sure, uh, will welcome that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I, again, it's just going to be one more thing that people look at Trump and just, you know, show disgust and revulsion and are just less inclined to take him seriously or respect him. So I guess the ball's in, in his court. Um, if I, you know, could talk to him, uh, would say, don't do this. You're already hated so much. Don't do this. Yep. This is stupid. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's uh it's 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 a little confusing, I think, you know, to t- to to say that you're going to um you know, I I think that it happened on Monday, um or came out on Monday. He gave the interview on on Sunday. Um as we know, um there's different um, racial issues based upon where you are in the country, right? Um, Correct. There's there's more of a feeling, um, or the largest minority groups are different in each area. Um, you know, black people, African Americans are not the largest minority in Arizona. Um, uh, Hispanic people are, and and so that's correct. It's just as you know, and and anything that you would feel that there was. Uh, segregation or the problems that we talk about what happened in the South, those same things are going on in Arizona at the same time with Mexicans. Um, you know, for example, in Glendale, Arizona here, um, you know, Mexicans could only live in a certain part of town. Um, you know, it was a dry city except for in the Mexican part of town because they, they kind of figured, well, let them have their drink. They're, they, you know, they're going to hell anyway because they're animals, right? I mean, it's the same basic idea. Um, and, you know, bad, bad thinking, um, wrong thinking, but that happened everywhere. So, you know, there's not a real difference and you know that people feel that way. Um, you know, we, we go back to Charlottesville, 
You know, I mean, coming out and saying, you know, the Jews control things and, you know, I mean, that whole feeling, then it just translate in the Southwest to the same feeling about, you know, Hispanics and what went on. Uh, Arpaio targeting people based upon the way they looked and they pull people over and then check for their immigration. Um, you know, I mean, then he went from one thing to the other. And then on Monday, he says he doesn't believe in this. But then at the same time, he's trying to pardon somebody who is basically doing the you know, the paper's law. Um, besides SB 1070, they were doing it in practice before that. SB 70, 1070 just would have legalized what they were trying to do. And, you know, it. it's, you can't, I, I just don't think that people here would even go for it. I think that we're beyond that um, to live here. Um, I, you know, I, I know that there's folks that, that, you know, again, we talk about our basket of deplorables and they're there. They're going to be there because we keep pumping them out. Or some people, aspects of this society keeps, keeps, you know, putting these people out. But I don't think well, it really another, defines the people who, who are here. Right. No, I, look, it, it would be a mistake for him to do it. But again, the calculation is he's got to hold on to this base. That's all he has. That's it. So I wouldn't put it past him, but it'll just further, it'll further poison the discourse. It'll further poison the well of all of this. But, you know, Donald Trump doesn't care. It's just that simple. He does not care. He doesn't have the decency to care. And that's where we are in this country, I'm sorry to say right now. It's heartbreaking. Well, all I know, Karen, is that you are a nice and decent person, and I'm so glad I get to talk to you all the time. (laughs) Thank you, as are you, and as are the overwhelming majority of the American people. And that includes Republicans. I want to make that very clear. But again, we do have a percentage in this country. They've got problems. I don't know how we solve it. We live in a free society. It's going to take a generation or two just to maybe heal some of these wounds. And it takes all of us to do that, no matter what our background is. I can't say it any better. Karen, thanks a lot for, for, for us you know, t- you know, tackling these issues today. Um, thanks, everyone, for for. T- for you know, clicking the button uh, for registering to following yeah. our podcast. We really appreciate it. Um, Karen, yes, we we'll, sure do. Thank you, everybody. We'll be back in a couple of weeks, right, Karen? You bet. And, uh, you know, Trump just gave a press conference basically defending the all right, so we'll still be talking about that, too, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> well, again, thank you, Karen, and thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll see you again next time. All right, everybody. Have a great week. Thank you, John. Hang in there. Thank you.